Now, more than ever, the great people of Tennessee are frustrated with the current direction we're headed as a state and as a country. We, the people, need to take a stand together, not simply as individuals, but as a force of nature in order to protect individual liberty. On this show, you'll hear from three voices who lead an organization called Tennessee Stands. Myself, John Fender, the Director of Communications, Gary Humble, the Executive Director, and Kevin Kukaji, the Chairman of the Board. We'll sit down with politicians, business leaders, community organizers, and citizens just like yourself to discuss the ideas, action points, and strategies needed to boldly take a stand and assert the unalienable rights given to us naturally by God. Welcome to the Freedom Matters Podcast. All right, uh, today's episode, it might get a little um, interesting with Kevin in the room, our special (laughs) guest in the room. Can you contain yourself? Well, yeah, but Mike kind of already took the wind out of my sails when he said he's retired, <laughs> and he doesn't even care about hockey anymore. So before we get any further, Gary, <laughs> you you brought our guest today. So can you give a little intro? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of intro needed. Uh, any any hockey fan out there, uh, especially if you're here in Tennessee, uh, will know the name Mike Fisher. And so we're really excited to have former captain of the Nashville Predators uh, here with us. And, uh, and I'll tell you also, by the way... Uh, Patriot, mm. yeah. So former, former. Uh, well, I don't know about former. I mean, he's he's Canadian, but um, I think also uh, very proud to be here in America. Mike, That's welcome. That's right. Good to be here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Let's start off talking Canadian. Let's talk about the trucker convoy. Lots of things going on with the yeah. trucker convoy right now. You know, it's been it's been really cool to see this happen not only in Canada and how that's gone across the world. We talked about last week. Actually, we were talking about the 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 um, in Bolivia in Bolivia mm-hmm. the uh, civil disobedience, right? Yep. And we're setting seeing, up of roadblocks. Yeah, yeah, and we're seeing these things happen all across the country. We're seeing them happen all over Europe, Latin America, and now this trucker convoy in Canada. And now you see it sort of spilling into America. But like we talked about last week, these are things that you would have expected to see throughout America versus us burning our cities down Mm -hmm. through COVID. You would have expected to see these kinds of demonstrations in terms of, uh, you know, crying for freedom against the mandates um, in America. You know, you're not going to tell me what to do, but that's not what's been happening. We've been complying for the most part throughout America, minus um, some pretty ticked off moms, Mm -hmm. you know, going to their school boards um, over what we've determined happening in schools. So, with what we see happening now in Canada in the convoy, I, I'd, I'd just love to get Mike's take. Someone who you know grew up around uh, Toronto, has been in Canada, family there. Just sort of how that is impacting you as as a Canadian. You know, seeing uh, these folks rise up for freedom. You, you I'll, 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 I'll let you say that. We were having a conversation <laughs> about it earlier, but um, just love to hear your take on that. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I'm I'm excited to see what's been happening. I mean, it's. Uh, it's been a discouraging two years of mandates and masking kids and, you know, all that's going on there. And, and Ontario, might, where I'm from, it's the uh, most locked down place in the world, I believe. So um, people are just fed up. Mm. And uh, I, I think the difference in Canada to U.S., I could be wrong, but you can hide in red states in, in the U.S. and kind of 
you know, Bear for the most part. Yeah, yeah, but in Canada, it's like everything at once. The whole country was, you know, okay, these mandates and everything. It felt like there's no real Tennessee's, Florida's, Texas. and Well, there is a little bit in the West and Alberta, Saskatchewan. But I think really it just took one spark of this convoy. And I think they've tried to marginalize, you know, unvaccinated there for so long. And, and they say that the vaccination rate in Canada is 90%. I've always said the whole time, I don't think it's that. I think it's they've they've inflated it to mm-hmm. make people think feel like they're marginalized. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing is one person that started this convoy. Her name's Tamara, I believe, and uh, just got all these truckers together, and and they knew that they had a lot of power. I mean, we think you know celebrities' voices and all these have power. Well, now what you're seeing is how much power that the truckers, when these people come together, mm-hmm. what they can do. A lot more power than we maybe thought. But so, anyways. I listened to her about two weeks ago when this started. It was like a 15-minute video that she sent out to kind of kick this off. She just started GoFundMe, which now is a $10 million shut down. They went to give, send, go. And so she's like, I just wanted to start this, you know, and I thought we'd raise a few thousand dollars. We'd get a few thousand truckers and see what guy can do with it. And she's like, I just want you guys to be praying for safety for these truckers. Uh, pray for peace, hope. We want to do this all in the name of love. And at the end, it was so powerful. She's like, please pray for those that are against us because they know not what they do. Mm. And that, I was like, mm. I was like, yes. I mean, that's what- That's the gospel. We're all, yeah, and we're about and freedom. And yep. and I remember I was getting teary-eyed and watching some of these videos of of these people. I had family that met truckers and or they're met, so it went across can't trans- Canada Highway. So I had family, friends that came down to the overpass and there's tons of people mm. and people are baking goods and, and sending money. And, you know, and I was like, what just happened? In a matter of a week, this thing took off and then now it's th- throughout the whole world. Mm-hmm. So, and now it's going to be here in the, in the U.S. And, and it's making a difference today. Ontario announced that they're going to be relaxing some of the measures and some of the other uh, provinces have done it too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and there's a ton of pressure on Trudeau right now. Yep. So, but they're doing it. And despite what the paid media are telling you, there's been a lot of peace and love and yes. bouncy castles. And I don't know if you guys don't follow, <laughs> you need to just follow Freedom Convoy uh, 2022. 2022 I yeah. It's amazing. I, I, I saw a story I the it. other day that said uh, the police were coming through and taking all, all of the firewood so that they can't build fires and stay warm mm-hmm. and that actually protesters were helping the police take the firewood away <laughs> as you know saying I, we understand you're just doing your job because you're told to do this so while you have to do this we're going to actually yeah. help you do this in love these horrible evil marauders yeah it's, as opposed to you know like burning cities down right. like we were doing and the other summers crime rate went down in the city since there's been less crime mm. So oh, only that's in Canada can that's you, amazing. and they've been playing hockey, bouncy castles, <laughs> and can you raise that? Only in Canada can you play hockey, raise that amount of money, and reduce crime through peaceful protests. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. Wow, <laughs> I've not heard the reduced crime statistic. It's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, I think it's you know for someone like Trudeau to not only marginalize the truckers, but to bring out today. I saw that they had put it put uh, Ontario under an official state of emergency because of these protests, right? I think that what we're seeing, even though those are discouraging uh, decisions and discouraging actions, we're seeing desperate measures being taken by a government that knows it is losing control and losing Mm -hmm. power. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's incredible hope for us here, 
But we do need to pray for the truckers that they have courage because now they're facing what they announced today is $100,000 fines, uh, a year in jail, right? So we need to surround these people with prayers um, at just just like the apostles did, right? For at, at the time, the church was praying for the apostles who were in prison because the more courage they have to withstand this will eventually break it down, and Trudeau's the one that's going to lose um, power. And I think that, that it always happens with, with tyrants, right? They, they, they come at you really hard right toward the end. Think of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. right? Pharaoh resisted, resisted, resisted. In fact, God told Moses, he's going to resist, right? Go tell him, let my people go. But I'm going to make him resist, resist, resist. Why? So that God is glorified in his mm-hmm. judgment of Pharaoh. Um, so I would issue a warning to Trudeau and other leaders around the world that um, they may be used for God's purposes <laughs> in the same way. Mm-hmm. And, good. and good on Canada, too, for being a, a, a symbolism of individual liberty uh, right now. And so that's spilling over into America. And now, um, you know, you can go to Telegram right now. And if you're on Telegram, search for Tennessee the People's Convoy. And that channel right now is full of about a thousand folks uh, that are working to volunteer for when this convoy leaves. I think aren't they meeting in Coachella on March fourth? What I heard this morning on the the guy who's organized the whole thing is was on Newsmax this morning. He says that they're organizing in the grounds of where Coachella happens on the fourth of March and will be leaving on the sixth. Yep. So mid mid March, uh, the convoy will be will be coming through Tennessee. They're actually working with Tennessee Stands uh, to help plan the route. Uh, we're also uh, in – there's one in Nashville already, Tri-Cities, Chattanooga. Those are the three that I know of for sure. We've got donation sites set up, and people already have semis parked that are collecting you know, water, blankets, just all the things that they need. So all of that's happening right now. You can go to Telegram, search for Tennessee, the People's Convoy, and you can join us there. And also, you can go to TennesseeStands.org slash Convoy Volunteer. So those are just ways, if you're listening to this podcast, you can connect with the convoy that's happening here in the, in the United States. Hmm. So, pretty great. I have a question for our resident Canadian in the room. I heard the other day that Trudeau is, like, wildly unpopular in the, in the, the majority of the population of Canada. Is that true? So uh, I heard recently— uh, that he his poll numbers are actually lower than Biden's right oh, now, which, which, which I, I was that's, like, that's not possible. That's, that's wildly but, unpopular. So, but he, he there's a, an election. Uh, he did call an election in the middle of a pandemic that cost uh, taxpayers six hundred million dollars. So you can call an election in Canada. I was going to ask, what does that mean? To gain, he try to get more seats. So you can strategically call an election as a prime minister to try to gain more seats. So he thought he could gain get a majority government. He's he had a minority. He thought he could get a majority. He didn't get the majority, he, and uh, he did gain two seats, I believe. Mm. For so, $600 million, yes, he gained two seats. Yes, during a pandemic. Mm. So since then, though, which a lot of, that ticked a lot of people off, he only gained two seats. and and But since then, I think what's happened is just people are done with not working, with you know government telling them. His, his rhetoric has changed since election time, too. Before, it was like, well, we, we're not going to force uh, vaccines. We're going to let you live your life. And then— election he kind of politicized it mm-hmm. and thought it worked and since then it's been you take a vaccine or you're not part of society mm-hmm. so right. it kind of changed and then that that's really had a pushback i believe in his 
poll numbers because people are like, no, we're not, we're done with this. You know, they're looking at you. Uh, I mean, I get texts all the time and people are watching hockey games down here, football games. And yeah. meanwhile, in Canada, they're like, you know, still shut down 25% capacity in restaurants and they're, and they're watching TV thinking like, it's just a different world. Yeah. It's just sad, you know, and the science doesn't you know, stop at the border, you know? Yeah. It was depressing <laughs> last night. Penguins were in Ottawa and it was like, it was back in the bubble again. There were 500 people to see the Penguins beat Ottawa and their old goalie, Matt Murray. It's depressing, right? Yeah. There's just, and then they blow in the fake crowd noise, yeah. which even all the Canadians were That's, like, this, this is so are discouraging. They still, are they still doing the cardboard cutouts in the... They didn't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> they asked me to do that. They sent an email. This is uh, months ago, if they could put my cardboard... Because I used to play for Ottawa. Uh-huh. Could they put my cardboard cutout in the stands? I never responded. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Man. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, mm. yeah. I, I did want to circle back around to civil disobedience. We emphasized this last week. We've emphasized this on prior um, podcasts. Americans are going to have to become accustomed to civil disobedience yep. again. We have been so compliant because our structure of government has provided a means for us to exercise our consent or lack of consent. Well, now we live in an era where none of the people that we elect, or 99% of them, actually do what we put them in office to do. When that's the case, when the government decides to act against the consent of the people, the only recourse that we have is to say, no, we're not going to do what you're trying to do. We're not going to follow through with what you're trying to do to us, which is why the Bolivian example was so interesting and, and instructive to us, uh, just just a, a real brief synopsis. So in Bolivia, socialist government, the people finally got enough of the, it was a vaccine mandate, and they said no. And what they did was they blocked, put roadblocks up from, in. so it's similar fashion to what the truckers are doing in Canada, mm-hmm. only it was people took these cement roadblocks, put them in front blocking of the... Blocking off the capital city, right? Yeah, and blocking off the main arteries, because Bolivia's landlocked, so blocking off the main arteries even into, through Chile, and... But it wasn't just sufficient to block it. Police came in, tear gas, rubber bullets, all of that, took the roadblocks away. And then after the police went away, the people came back and reimposed the roadblocks. In so larger the, numbers. Yeah, they had the courage to do it and to do it in larger numbers. And that's finally what broke the back of the government and that they said, okay, we're going to not end but significantly reduce these. And I use the example of Poland that happened mm-hmm. in the days – of the communist regime in Poland um, when they built the church. And I'll just, again, give a really quick version of it. People can go back to that podcast and listen. They built a church under the auspices of a car dealership because none of the churches were getting permits. This is back in the um, 70s. None of the churches were getting permits to build a church for obvious reasons. But the car dealerships were all getting permits, so the church got really smart and said, okay, we're going to submit a permit for a car dealership. And while they were constructing this church, they put up those construction walls, you know, you can't look and really tell what's going on. After 18 months or two years, however long it took them to build it, they pulled the walls down and everybody realized, oh, the government realized we've been had. This is really a church. But the government then brought out the bulldozers and they were going to bulldoze the whole church. And if the church had just said, oh, my gosh, we're scared, that's what would have happened. But the church body came out, and at the sacrifice of their lives, they surrounded Mm -hmm. the church and said, if you're going to bulldoze this church, you're going to bulldoze us too. 
And that's what stopped the communist regime because they knew that the eyes of the world were on them now. And if they rolled their own people, that would cause huge problems internationally. So this is what we need to be prepared to do in America, civil disobedience. And by the way, in both Poland and Bolivia, no arms, <laughs> yeah. right? It was just, just people coming together. Those are the kinds of efforts. That's what is really inspiring about this truckers' convoy to me because it's true civil disobedience. And if we stay the course, we will be mm-hmm. victorious. Well, and in both of those examples, too, people came back, right, to finish the job. Mm-hmm. You know, after being, whether the cops came out with rubber bullets or whether, you know, they couldn't get the per- people continued to persist, which is key in civil disobedience. So I was, I was thinking about, was it yesterday or whenever it was, Biden was talking about encouraging the Canadian government mm-hmm. to slash the tires of these truckers that Ugh. were at the border. Um, slash the tires, bring in the military, you know, just get them out of there. And I, I, I was, I'm just wondering, you know, how far, and I appreciate what you were saying, because we need to be praying for these truckers. Like, how how far will their, will their stand to go, you know, if indeed whatever they're going to decide to do, the military comes out, they start slashing tires, what do they do now? You know, how how far are we willing to go to stand for freedom? At what point is it, like, too dangerous? Is there a point where it's too dangerous? Well, before we answer that question, it's also important that we understand that our government has literally declared war against its own citizens, mm-hmm. right? And they've taken now the tactics of war because when you have – and it's true fascism, by the way, because you hear the left talk about fascism and they have no idea what they're talking about. Fascism is what happened during World War II when Hitler actually aligned with Mercedes to accomplish what he did. And Mercedes ad- admitted it and that they, they will still admit it today. This is what's happening with GoFundMe, right, acting at the behest of the Canadian government. We see it here in America with Twitter. We see it with YouTube. We see it all over the world. True fascism where government and big business, healthcare, big pharma that's mm. happening with Pfizer or, or you name it. And, and they're taking when, – when someone using the force and power of government and technology in a company actually takes the money, which GoFundMe did, took money that was offered for one purpose and said, we are going to steal that and use it for a different purpose, right? Now, they were slapped down. And why were they slapped down? Because Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. said, hmm, that looks like fraud and I'm going to put my attorney general on it. All of a sudden, oh, we're going to give you your money yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Those the, the tactics of war are being used against us. It's very difficult to imagine the law being helpful to us when those who are in charge of upholding the law are lawless. And, right. and they're, they're giving evidence of that. If the president of the United States says slash the tires <laughs> of truckers, right, recommending true criminal action to stop free citizens from protesting. So we must recognize that they have declared war against us, and it's just what happened to our founders, right? Mm-hmm. King George declared war, literally, um, and took tactics of war. All that to say, not that we shouldn't appeal to the law, but we need to understand that appealing to the law doesn't have much teeth, doesn't, doesn't really have the teeth that it used to. Um, so we can't rely on that and say, oh, just elect so-and-so to the legislature to take care of this. We must perform civil disobedience. And because... In terms of the law, when you consider even when the courts conspire, mm-hmm. right? Because we've seen that with the mandates. You know, I was I was shocked when it was at least six months ago, maybe a year ago now, whenever the first lawsuit came down. This was Southern Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas. You had about 
somewhere around 130 nurses that sued in a federal court over the vaccine mandate. And the federal court threw it out, just threw it out, didn't even hear the case. I mean, in that moment, I realized how, well, now the courts are conspiring, you know, on all of this. And so go back to uh, whether it was Ottawa, Ontario, whatever the jurisdiction of the court was, that's now frozen the funds that are in this give, send, go, who's an alternate platform willing to give the funds. Mm -hmm. And so now the court steps in and says, no, wait a minute, you can't do that either. And so what what do you do whenever you, you can't get lawmakers to stand on your side? And whenever you choose to go to the courts where once you thought maybe I can find liberty there, now the courts are conspiring Mm -hmm. with governments against you. So that's where we are. I wanted to sort of pivot to something, uh, since we have Mike here, you know, you've obviously been successful in the world of professional sports. And as in many factors uh, of, of our life, these mandates and these lockdowns and vaccine requirements and masks and you know, limits on gatherings and what, you know, what have you have greatly impacted sports. I mean, I I just kind of want to know from a a professional, how has that impacted um, hockey? How has it impacted other players, uh, teams? I mean, what's, you were just mentioning right now, you're watching a game where still there's only like 500 people there, you know, because because they went back to what they had done. Yeah. So where, where do we, what, what's what's happening there? What's the general sentiment? How are athletes dealing with all of this? Well, I got a number. So it all came down really this past summer where it was – I was getting a few calls from players throughout the NHL um, that were, for, were being told that they had to get the vaccine or basically – had to retire or couldn't travel to Canada. There's, there, I think there's one player in the league, uh, plays for Detroit, Tyler Bertuzzi. He's mm-hmm. refused it, the only guy. And he can't play in Canada, so he's he's giving Hang on, up. I want to clarify that point. Are you saying the only guy in the NHL? Yeah. One there's player one guy. One, has yeah. refused. One. Wow. So that's, yeah. why we are, that's, wh- that's why we are where we are. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And, and so— We comply. Now, there, I, I will say this, and even in basketball, there's not as many guys that got it that you think got it. Even some big-name right. players, I'm right. willing to say. Same with football. Right. But it, it's, I mean, I give credit to the, to the Kyrie Irvings and Jonathan Isaacs that have said, no, I'm going to stand on principle. I'm not going to, there may be other ways around it to, to still play, but I'm going to stand on principle. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe. And... And I think it comes down to, like, how are we willing to stand there? Like, what hill are we going to die on, mm-hmm. too, right? So these truckers, I think that they're going to die on this mm-hmm. hill. I feel like it because they're like, we're not leaving until the mandates are lifted. Mm-hmm. So I hope that happens. And so recently I had a call with a few uh, few guys uh, in baseball. So what's happening in baseball is the coaches that came out a few weeks ago that they're going to be uh, mandated to, to get the vaccine if they're on the field coaching. Mm-hmm. Now, players don't, but coaches will. So then it's <laughs> like... I did like, science. Yeah, don't, don't argue with yeah. it. It's science. <laughs> and it's like... So th- so these... And, and the co- some of these coaches and, on, you know, on-field officials and whatever, I mean, they're they're living paycheck to paycheck and mm-hmm. they're going to have to make a decision. It's the same for healthcare workers. We we, we know, you know, what's going on, but it's... Yeah. And it's when it's really really mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's frustrating to see it in sports, but I love it when those guys, like I mentioned... 
especially in basketball, stood up and said, no, I'm not, I mean, I'm not doing it. And that, to me, when I see that, I'm like, that's the guy that is strong character and believes in something and that we need more of that. Yeah, I was actually, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so Steelers kind of are bad right now. And, <laughs> but, and I've never been a Packers fan, but I was pleasantly surprised with the stand that Aaron Rodgers took this year. And so mm-hmm. I, I kind of became an Aaron Rodgers fan, even though before I never really liked the guy. But he was one of the few in the NFL that had the courage. And he wasn't going to be he, – he did not capitulate. He wasn't going to even give an inch like Joe Rogan has, as we were talking mm-hmm. about before. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because this has changed loyalties and alliances, right? People – it happens in our mm-hmm. communities, in our churches, people that we went to church with who we thought were with us were not with us. I and don't the, even go to the same church anymore because – of the way the church reacted to everything. So let me give you an example from Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia in the middle of a lockdown state through all of the COVID nonsense. Um, this is in the context of my wife's mother who passed away a couple of weeks ago. And she was 93, old and full of years. But because we were from Pennsylvania, we went to bury my mother-in-law next to my wife's father in Philadelphia. So we had the funeral there. And the pastor who did the funeral was mentored by my wife's father, who was also a pastor. And so one of the things that we want one of the one of the reasons we encouraged him was because in the face of all of the lockdown threats from Governor Wolf and all of Philadelphia being locked down, they never closed the doors of their church, they never wore masks, they never did any of that. And he said, Kevin, at first we shrunk down to two people. Wow. And he thought, we're gonna lose the whole church. But he said, We believe this is what God's calling us to do. He said, since that time They've actually grown in leaps and bounds because they had people coming from other churches who were saying, we want to go to a church that's actually upholding the gospel and and living the way that scriptures say we should live. So now their church is having more success. It's still a small church, but relative to where they were before 2020, because they have stayed true to the gospel mm-hmm. and preached the gospel and not bought the lie from the government, their church has grown and they've been blessed both financially and in numbers. So... I encouraged him, and it was it was great to make that connection. We have churches here mm-hmm. in Tennessee, my own church, although they're not shut down now. They did shut down for three months, and they wore masks. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Do you take your instruction from Scripture first, or do you look at what the news tells you and then go to your Bible and say, hmm, what does my Bible say to do? They've got it backwards, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Bible tells me that the inclinations of the thoughts of man are always evil all the time. Therefore, when the government, with all the power, tells me, such and such is the case, my first inclination is to be suspicious and say, hmm, why, why would they say that, right? Um, we don't have enough pastors doing that. That's a great point. So, Gary, before we let's wrap, kind of wrap this whole thing in a bow with what Tennessee Stands is currently doing legis- with legislation. Did I say that right this time? <laughs> I didn't say it right <laughs> yeah, last time. Yeah, we were asked you, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's all good. Uh, and what's going on with the, the session and, and what, what we're doing as an organization yeah, so there are quite a few bills that we're supporting. You can go to TennesseeStands.org um, slash, well, not TennesseeStands.org slash, um, slash, <laughs> slash take action. Uh, so TennesseeStands.org slash take action. And uh, there, there's some that I, I want to point out. In fact, Mike had asked me earlier, so what's the big one and is it actually going to pass? Mm-hmm. I think what's your question? Mm-hmm. Does it actually have a shot? And I want to speak to that for for a minute because the the, the big kahuna is SB 2151, um, and that's run by Senator Joey Hensley. And then the House, it's uh, Representative Terry Lynn Weaver. And that bill would just blanket on the whole end 
uh, medical discrimination in Tennessee based on vaccination status. So it, it basically finishes the work that the special session begun. Um, it obviously will not have an expiration date like mm-hmm. we currently have right now. Your liberty currently expires in 2023. <laughs> so we're going to do away with that. Also, this would not be just for COVID. So, you know, if you're listening, we've been celebrating the fact, right, that we're, you know, we're free. Employers aren't getting uh, employees aren't getting fired to some degree unless unless you're uh, a doctor or nurse. And then we don't allow you to make your own health care decisions anymore. But but we've been celebrating the fact that we've attained some amount of freedom. Well, it's worth noting the current law only impacts Mm COVID-19 so that we can't forget that. Now, I feel like we have. Meaning right now in the state of Tennessee, your employer could mandate that you have the flu shot. Mm-hmm. They could mandate that you have a shot for chickenpox. They could mandate that you have a whole host of things, uh, only not COVID. So this bill also deals with that. It's just you you cannot be discriminated against based on vaccination status, period, in employment and for goods and services. It also this bill would put an end to the testing industry that we've set up where your employer says, hey, I want you to test weekly. Well, that's ridiculous. So this mm-hmm. bill would make that discriminatory unless you actually are some – there's a visible sign or, or signal that you You're are showing sick. symptoms. You're show, something is, is – there's a reasonable standard by which someone can assume you might be sick, and so they can ask that you get tested. But the weekly stuff, that goes away, and this bill would put in stiff civil penalty. Right now, people are left having to go to court. This bill would put in up to a $50,000 fine per occurrence uh, for someone breaking that, uh, violating this law. So that's SB 2151. That's a big one. Um, You know, they're in the right committees. I'll say that. In the Senate, they got assigned to the the Judiciary Committee, and it's in the Civil Justice Committee, um, which may seem weird because last year these bills were in the health committees, Mm -hmm. which was crafty. The reason they ended up in these committees is because of the civil penalty they carry. So because they now create a civil penalty for breaking a human rights violation, it moves from a health committee to a a civil justice and judiciary committee, which, by the way, I'm not saying, uh, you know, it's going to pass with flying colors. But my general feeling is that the makeup of those committees are probably going to be the committees that would be most favorable to this bill if it were to pass. So it, it's set up with the best chance in this General Assembly that I feel like it could have. So, so we need to be praying for that. Real quick, mm-hmm. before before you go any further, can and I know this is a huge—we could probably get into like a full episode of this. Just real quick, can you give me a nutshell? Give me, a guy like me, and probably quite a few others listening that don't understand the process of bills. Just real quick, can you tell me it goes into a committee— when it's introduced. Or about to do schoolhouse rock. Just real, like, give me a schoolhouse rock version of this, yes. Yeah, well, in Tennessee, I mean, typically, you know, you've got about five steps before it hits the governor's desk, roughly. I think I'm saying that right. So you submit the bill. You've got a sponsor in the House and a sponsor in the Senate. You have to have a, you have to have companion bills that are identical Mm -hmm. that make it through both houses. In the House, because of the way it's structured, they typically have a subcommittee and then a full committee. So that's two steps. Pass one, then pass the full. In the Senate, that's typically just one committee. So that's three committees if your bill is only assigned to one committee. It's not out of the ordinary that this bill – let's just say this bill actually does pass out of judiciary. Judiciary can pass it, but instead of referring it to calendar to go to the floor, 
they can refer it to health committee. Another committee. Yeah. Hmm. So that can happen, uh, which in the case of this bill in particular would not be a good scenario. Right. So you get past committees and then you go to the floor. And so it's got to pass the floor of the House and it's got to pass the floor of the Senate. Um, If those two things happen, uh, the bill's officially passed. It then goes to the governor for a signature. In most cases, if the governor does not sign, I believe, constitutionally, it's within 10, 10 days, then it automatically becomes a law. The governor has the option to send it back uh, for revisions, or the governor can veto it. The governor vetoes it, and it comes back. Um, whew, I get back to my constitution, but I believe the General Assembly can then repass, override his veto with the same with a, majority. with a supermajority. Or I, is it? I thought someone told me yesterday in Tennessee it's a simple te- majority. In Tennessee I it's think a simple you majority, right, yeah. which would make which makes which our means constitution they basically have to do the same thing again. again. Yeah, you just did. Yeah. yeah, you are right because in the in United States it's supermajority. It's super in Tennessee simple majority. You're right. So that that's sort of how how the bill process. Because I don't, I didn't know, and I don't. A lot of people might not have known that when a bill is sponsored by two representatives, or well, one or, senator, or one senator and representative, right. it then has to go to these committees. I didn't realize that. Yep. Before two years ago, and before it even gets to the floor, I yep. didn't realize that step was there. So, do you, do you think Gary now that? It has a bigger chance. There's more support against these mandates now in the legislature because of, you know, studies coming in or is it people are more done with it in Tennessee? Is that what you is that what you're seeing? I mean, I think in general, based on what happened in the special session, that was a far cry from where we were a year ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. A year ago, whenever we were running HB 10 just to secure religious exemptions to vaccinations, we couldn't even get that done. Hmm. Uh, and the general sentiment was at the time, which, by the way, is still the sentiment in the governor's office, had that confirmed last week. Well, we don't tell businesses what to do in Tennessee. You know, freedom freedom means that we don't tell businesses what to do. So, so from a— But we tell citizens what to do. Well, as a business owner, I completely reject that. They tell me what to do every single month. Right, right, yeah. We have to— Are you not regulated? We have to pay taxes. We have to pay license fees. Yeah. Well, we just don't tell businesses what to do whenever it displeases our medical overlords, mm-hmm. is what they mean to say. And my, my, it's like I've so we've come a long fra- way though from there. That. Lies good. the definition and of I, fascism. I've always been under the impression it's either discrimination or it's not. There's no in between. There's no. It's discriminating. You know, if you're in your healthcare or not. It's yeah. it's either discrimination to ask that or it's not. I yeah. mean, there's no, and I feel like in Tennessee we've been kind of caught in between in a lot of things. And and I would love to be. I think it's Montana. Yep, that's right. it's mm-hmm. discrimination because it is. Yep. I mean, that's just that's the reality. And the longer this goes, the more I think we're seeing. You know, I think it's more support for that, and hopefully, we're shifting that way here in Tennessee. So. I'm actually, Mike. I'm really glad you said that because the point you just made is really the the point that I'd like to close on with the, on this bill in particular. You said, "Is it discrimination or is it not?" Well, that's really the point we're trying to make. On how we deal with law, there are we have the way we've treated COVID is so stupid in the sense that we've tried to pass all of these laws and these measures that only deal with COVID. Well, why? We had a whole special session that is that was supposed to keep employees from facing discrimination and being fired, and you know school boards having the right to mandate a mask or what have you. 
but only for COVID. I mean, that, that's, that to me, I, I can't wrap my mind around how we've become okay with, like you said, it's discrimination whether or not the disease you're addressing is measles, mumps, you know, the flu, COVID, because the, the rights we're talking about are not grounded in the circumstance. And, and, and here's something that needs to be said. The people who did this to us must pay a political price. It isn't sufficient for them to say, oh, we lifted the mandates that we put upon you. Mm -hmm. That would be like someone beating the crap out of you and then stopping and saying, you should be happy happy with me now. No. In that case, criminal action against that person, right? Politically, Mm -hmm. you get rid of the people that are doing these things. There has to be consequences. Otherwise, they'll do it again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and and so we've got to get what what I'm trying to do with this bill is we've got to get back to the the fundamental root of what is the right is the are you just giving me a carve out for COVID nineteen to appease me so that we stop emailing you every day and calling you because we're being fired? Yes, is the answer to that yeah. question. <laughs> or um, are you going to secure the foundational right that already exists? in our Constitution and acknowledge that I have an indefeasible right given to me by God to discern what medical treatment Mm -hmm. I'm going to put inside of my body, regardless of whether or not how my employer feels about it, as long as I'm fulfilling my duties that I'm being employed for. Um, These are just rudimentary questions that I think our General Assembly has to address. Mm -hmm. The the bill is in front of them to address it. And if they reject it, Here's what they're saying. If this bill fails, to me, the General Assembly is saying, well, you have no fundamental constitutional rights. We're the General Assembly, and we're going to continue to determine what rights you have and what rights you have not. And we think you only have these rights when it comes to COVID, and we're not going to give you these rights for anything else. That is – that's what they're be, that's what they'd be saying. We are the arbiters of your rights, mm-hmm. not God. Not the Constitution, and damn sure not you. Mm-hmm. We are we're in control, and that's that's the decision that's really before them. Yep. Well, that's a good place to bookend it. Yeah, and we mentioned uh, Joe earlier, and I you know I just want to say even though he <laughs> apologized, he's still welcome on the show. Joe Rogan is always welcome. someday it'll happen. someday. <laughs> hey, Hope, I, hopefully when it's relevant to us. Yeah, Joe Rogan will always be relevant in my book. Uh, I just want to thank Mike. Thanks for coming by, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Kevin made the point. You made the point about basketball players. You made the point about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not a basketball guy, so I don't know if those names are big names in basketball or they not. They are. But, okay. Kyrie Irving. <clears throat> but, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge hockey guy. The guys in my life that are huge hockey guys, whether you believe it or not, say you're a big name in hockey. So, and I think you are, but I, I appreciate the big names like yourself, the basketball guys, the Aaron Rodgers, all coming out and saying these things because it's yeah. it's doing what what I think I mentioned in the last episode we recorded. It's doing what I think is happening and what happened to me over these past two years is opening eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I mean, we're seeing it with the truckers. We're seeing it with truckers here in the U.S. now. Yeah. I mean, heck, we even saw it with cowboys up in, weren't, weren't they coming in a horseback <laughs> in Canada? Like, Oh, yeah. I just I I I, I saw feel, some Amish folks going down the yes, road. Yes, that's yeah. awesome. I feel like there's this momentum of people like all of a sudden coming awake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and agree. and I I thank people like you 
and sports figures and just bigger people with platforms that are using those platforms to help open those eyes. Well, so. I would say uh, some people say like when I, you know, on social media, I'm pretty vocal and, and they're like, you you know, thanks for saying that. That's courageous. And I don't think it is because reality of is that I'm retired and I'm not facing a job like someone that's, I think the courageous person is the person that says, no, I'm not putting this in my right. body. I'm not doing this and I'm mm-hmm. going to lose my job. I'm, I haven't lost my job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I want to be, the reason why I'm doing it is because I feel like this is so important because God has given us this freedom and it's no one else's but ours and our conviction and the conscience he's given to us. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit and this is so important. And also number two is my boys. I have young boys at home mm-hmm. and in 20 years, if they look at me and say, dad, why didn't you say anything? That's on me. Yeah, right. And I, I, I'm not living with that. So I'm not Come doing on. it. And I'm going to do whatever I can to speak the truth and love people well, you know, along the way. And, and, uh, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I want to do. So. Well, thank you. Well said. Yeah. Till next week. Till next week. I got nothing. <laughs> that, that's it. We're good. <laughs> Wait, we could end with a penguin skull horn from, yeah. from mine. <laughs> that's right. I'll have them do it in post. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.